We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva Paper Towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva Paper Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more. Radio. I'm Steve Rivero, joined by Johnny Gomez. The Rams are three and one. They beat the Arizona Cardinals this week. They beat Tampa Bay and Seattle the last two weeks. They're in first in the division, and they've looked great. And this is much better than we expected after Week One. But we got to start with an apology to Brian Quick, who all of us on this show have knocked and been really hard on. He stepped up the last two weeks. He has three touchdowns. We're sorry, Brian. Yeah, I, I definitely was one of the <clears throat> the biggest advocates for, for cutting him. So, yeah, definitely have to make an apology to him. I mean, this is exactly the Brian Quick that we've all come uh, to hope that he can become. So, yeah, definitely try um, – and be a little more supportive tip for him because th- this is this is kind of a guy that we hoped would be our, our legitimate number two receiver. And if he continues to play at the level that he's been playing, hopefully, you know, this turns out to be a decent receiving core. I mean, we've seen uh, Kenny Britt step up. You know, Brian Quick has stepped up. So if this can continue, if they can be consistent, um, 
this this is going to be a decent receiving core. Maybe not the best out there, but, you know, a decent one. And Brian Quick, I mean, he showed that, hey, maybe maybe he does have some hands after all. Yeah, he's made great. All three of his touchdowns were great plays. He ran a real nice route last week against Tampa. He had a great goal line catch this week, a play that they've tried to run to him in the past that just hasn't really worked out as we would hope. And this week he made a great play there, and he had that big touchdown against Arizona as well where he broke a couple tackles. Brian Quick has looked good the last two weeks. You know, he's been promising. If he can keep it up, if he can play like he did during that brief stretch in 2014 like he is now, we might really have something here. And maybe if Stephen steps start keying in on Brian Quick, it'll open things up for Tavon. This is great for the offense. I'm happy for Brian Quick. I thought he was going to make the team because I knew we needed him based on the lack of NFL experience of the guys under him. But I was also on the side of everyone that I didn't really think there was anything left in the tank, and I didn't really think he had any potential. I think we can all say we're pleasantly surprised that we've been proven wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And the key here is just for him to remain consistent, uh, see how he does when we go into, you know, uh, when when they come back to L.A. against Buffalo. The Rams are sitting at 3-1 and and leading their division. So I want to add, are they a playoff contender? Well, I think... It really depends on how the NFC West turns out. I mean, it's really kind of surprising. I mean, first off, nobody was expecting the Arizona Cardinals to be 1-3 at this point. That is just completely a shock. And mind you, Arizona has played some pretty tough teams. Um, You know, starting off with, with New England and almost winning New England, too. Um, so, you know, definitely this, this was an interesting division, um, because it's not exactly what we were envisioning. Uh, the Seahawks, you know, are doing okay, I guess, you know, two and two, um, Frisco is pretty much exactly where we thought they'd be, even though they kind of dominated us in week one. So, uh, it really just depends on on the Rams at this point. If the Rams can continue, you know, to somehow f- to figure out how to win games like this, yeah, absolutely, I could see them becoming this playoff team. Uh, how far they get, I don't know, but uh, you know, little little things can can definitely help this team and hopefully help them surpass what they've done. Because being a hundred percent honest, and I know I'm gonna get some flack for this um being 100 percent honest this was probably one of the first games or the first game of this season that i feel like the rams earned this win like they deserved it the past two games while yeah they they won and i i get i give them hats off you know they earned the w but there was a very good possibility that they could have lost that game so this this win was a well-earned win well-deserved win against a pretty tough team in Arizona. Um, so, you know, hats off to them. Hopefully we can continue this. And, uh, yeah, I'll definitely eat some uh, eat some pro for, uh, for you know, doubting the Rams. And uh, hopefully uh, because, you know, coming into this, I was thinking this was another 7-9 team. I was even kind of going with the whole 7-9 bullshit thing. But, but uh, yeah, if they, if they can make the playoffs – Absolutely, I'll eat my fair share of crow. I will admit when I'm wrong, and 
hey, you know, hopefully I'm proven wrong. I want to be wrong in this case. They definitely, at this point, you know, they've got to be considered a contender. I don't I find it hard to believe that they would win the division, but even for a wild card, because you look at their schedule right now, if they keep playing like this, they're home against the Bills, they're at Detroit, and they're home against the Giants. We're probably going to be the favorite in all three of those games. They should win all three of those games. If they win those games, they're 6-1 and one on a six-game win streak. The schedule heats up a little bit after that. But you get you gotta find it hard to believe that if they're six and one, you know, would they four wins after that is very doable. You look at their schedule after the bye. The home against the Panthers, not the team we thought they'd be. At the Jets, not the team we thought they'd be. At the Saints, not the team we thought they'd be. So I mean, even come out of the bye, all four of those games are winnables. So we'll get a little into the offense. The line this week was not great. And in particular, Greg Robinson, yet again, looked awful. Is it time to move on from him? I don't really see as another solution on the team, but uh, after the season, do you think he should be gone? You know, I kind of toyed with the idea of moving Robinson back to guard. I felt like when he was guard, he wasn't the best player, but I felt like he was serviceable. And, well, guard, we actually kind of have a surplus. But as of now, I just don't see him as a left tackle. And that that's concerning. I, I feel like if, if uh, Garrett Reynolds were still with the Rams, I, I would probably bench Greg Robinson. But the Rams at this point are in the position where they can't help you know, they can't help, you know, but start him at left tackle. He's probably the only one capable of, of doing, you know, playing left tackle. You know, the first first couple games, he looked like he was doing okay. And I was hoping that he would just adjust, but I don't know. He just doesn't seem like he's he's really adjusting well. And and it's pretty evident that, you know, he's he's not going to improve a whole lot if he continues down this path penalties have killed us and he's part of the reason for it. So yeah, as far as, as far as Robinson is concerned next year, I would highly try and consider moving Robinson, you know, to a backup role or possibly even cut him. Yeah. You got to, they have to make a decision on Robinson. They have, like, the Robinson experience on the left tackle. There's not better options this year, though. They should leave him there for now, I guess. But long-term, he should not be playing left tackle. They should either move him back to guard, where he looked okay, or they should just move on from him and get a new tackle and guard, I, I suppose. He had some brutal penalties this week. He didn't look great. He got a 30 from... Pro Football Focus for his grade, not great. So yeah, I mean, I think they gotta really make a call on him in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, it it's especially concerning because you're talking about protecting Jared Goff, our future. Well, 
considering Case Keenum is in right now, I mean, Goff is going to get pulverized if if uh, if Robinson continues to protect his blind side. So that's something for the front office to consider. And I don't know if the Rams will be in a position to really pick up a left tackle next year. Um, they could try it to free agency, uh, but they're going to be paying top dollar. And I just don't know if we have the space. And then on top of that, try and fulfill other needs to be able to do that. So this, this is where it becomes a little bit alarming because we have to consider other positions plus, you know, other guys that whose contracts are about to expire. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This one's becoming a mystery for me. Yeah, there really is still a decent chance that we go into the year with Robinson next year as off tackle because, like you said, we don't know what our options are going to be. We got a lot of money invested in good players, but a lot of money invested in players nonetheless. So the offensive line directly leads into the struggles in the running game. A lot of this is because people aren't scared of Case Keenum, and he's doing a good job of making them a little bit more scared over the past few weeks. But the running game is still not there. They're still feeding Gurley, and just nothing's coming from it. And it, I don't believe it's Todd's fault. I don't believe it, you think it is either. Is this ever going to get going? At what point does the running game start to look like it did last year during the stretches where Todd was going off? It's it's really hard to say because we're we're talking about a lot of defenses that just know what they're what we're getting with Todd Gurley. They know if we feed him the ball, he's gonna he's gonna try and bulldoze his way through. So pretty much defenses are not doing anything, you know, that spectacular. They're just stacking the box and you know, the offensive line is not pushing back. Not a whole lot is uh is really being created for Todd Gurley. So Todd Gurley is also, if you really look at what he was doing against Arizona, he wasn't exactly doing the, the good footwork footwork that we, uh, that we were used to last year too. I, I think he's just trying to make something happen and you could tell the frustration is there. So he's going to try and do anything, anything new, to be able to, you know, break out through through anywhere, but it's just not working. So that just that just leaves us. Well, if Todd Gurley can't make it happen, why not try and you know hand the ball off to somebody else? Not saying to, um, you know, of course take any, you know, significant snaps away from Gurley, but why not try and uh, throw in Malcolm Brown or? Or Benny Cunningham. I know Cunningham got a little bit banged up uh, uh, in, the, in the last game, but you know it wouldn't hurt to you know hand the ball off to somebody else. This way we can change up the offense a little bit, change up the rhythm. This way we don't just see uh, Gurley get maybe one to two yards per per carry. Um, but also try and if, if the run game is not working, utilize him in the passing game. Because as we've seen with that amazing one-handed crash, he he can do some damage in the in the backfield as far as receiving uh, receiving the ball. So yeah, there there are other ways to utilize Todd Gurley without just seeing him continuously just get one to two yards. And they proved that this week when they actually started getting 
bomb the passing game. And you make a good point because should Benny Cunningham be getting the bulk of the carries? Absolutely not. But when he comes onto the field, defenses basically assume they're going to pass, and they change according to that. Same goes for Todd Gurley. When he's in the field, they expect the run, they stack the box. So mixing Cunningham up with a little more carries might throw off the defense, and when he's in, it'll help open up the passing game if he's also considered a run threat. And the same goes for what they did with Gurley this week. They started throwing him the ball. He looked good on that big 33-yard catch. you got to get ways to get him the ball, and you got to get ways to get the run game successful. Like you said, maybe throw some other guys in there just to get the defense off their feet a little bit. Yeah, definitely. I also appreciated that it wasn't just, you know, a quick out, you know, towards the, towards the left or the right side. You know, they actually let him get upfield a bit. Um, and that's that's ultimately what I wanted to see the coaching staff do is uh, have Keenum, you know, throw off field a little bit. I don't know if it's coaching staff or just Keenum trying to get rid of the football quickly, but um, way too many too many passes at the line. Um, you know, it, you don't need to have too much time to just get a couple yards up field. It's better than just waiting and just uh, – perfect opportunity for defenses to pick apart you know the offense get a um you know loss of yardage or potentially a pick six and that's what i'm waiting for is for them to just get a pick six which thankfully hasn't happened too often but hopefully they'll continue this diverse uh diversified passing attack and uh continue to use Todd Gurley in this as well yeah, the passing game has improved a lot over the past two weeks. Like you said, they're finally letting Case Keenum take some shots. It really worked against Tampa Bay. It worked this week as well. The play to quick wasn't a huge shot, but it was a play that ended up breaking free. They're finally making the passing game something that defenses, whether they like it or not, have to pay some attention to. Arizona saw it themselves. They weren't going to let Ty Gurley beat them, and Case Keenum managed to beat them. And with the interceptions, the one against Tampa Bay, Daquan was bad. It was a really bad play. But other than that, over the past few weeks, he's looked pretty good overall. He's looked like the Case Keenum that we know we can trust to not make mistakes. You know, I'm a fan of how he's played the last few weeks. I'm a fan of how the team has done their play calling, despite what we've mentioned in the running game. This is probably still the best play calling of the Jeff Fisher era because I mean I don't even want to get calling on the shot with Brian Schottenheimer. Just that I'm I'm just gonna pass on talking about Brian Schottenheimer at all. But yeah, this offense has they've looked all right, and with the defense, if the offense can continue to play like this, they'll win games, and hopefully at some point, if the passing game continues to play like this. Defenses will back out of the box, and it will open up holes for Gurley if the line, which hasn't been playing great, steps up a little bit and helps him out. Um, yeah, I, I will I will agree to an extent. Like, I definitely agree that um, the offense has improved, especially when you go back to week one. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere but up, right? But... <laughs> Yeah, so I definitely agree there has been a ton of improvement. Uh, while I won't say Keenum was perfect on uh, on this, this past Sunday, but he, you know, he has he has stepped up. He's we've, he's done pretty much everything you asked of him. 
And I know we've kind of uh, been wondering when we're going to replace him, but that's it's kind of hard to replace a guy that that's winning you that's winning you games. In terms of coaching, I I uh, I still have a question mark on coaching. There, there's just uh, it's gotten better. Don't get me wrong, it's gotten better, but um, certain things that just just really bother me. Uh, one of one of the things that really really stick out to me is when on fourth and one, um, I I can't remember which quarter it was. I believe it was the second quarter. Uh, there was an opportunity for the Rams to advance and potentially you know get a get a you know field goal or a touchdown, but we decided to punt it on fourth and one, only for Fisher to go for it on what was it a fourth and five. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and it was completely, it was completely unnecessary at that point. Why go for it there instead of going for it on fourth and one when you had the momentum? I just, I don't understand it, you know. But that's just me. I know um, I've been really critical of Jeff Fisher and hasn't been exactly received well by some of the fans in our community. I'm sorry. I just, you know, Jeff Fisher. Uh, the support. A lot of questionable decisions by surprising. his um, Yeah. I will say, Fisher. I, I was talking more about play calling, but in terms of coaching in general, he's had a game plan each of the last three weeks. They're all pretty decent game plans. And the game plan against Seattle, they played conservative. They dared the Seattle offense to beat them because. For some reason, this guy always has Seattle's number. That was good. Tampa Bay, they tried to shut down Mike Evans by having Tremaine Johnson on him. It was a good game plan. It didn't work. But we still managed to squeak out of that game. And this week, they took advantage of the Cardinals stacking the box and threw the ball more. It ain't worked. But, like you said, there's still glaring issues and glaring flaws with Jeff Fisher. First of all, we're fourth in the league penalties per game. I mean, this guy's been around football for almost 40 years. How his teams are consistently in the bottom of the league in penalties is mind-blowing. It's not like he's a young guy that people don't respect. Players respect him for whatever reason, but probably because, like I said, he's been around the game for so long. And the fact that you know we had captains getting thrown out week one, we've had guys getting ejected in half the games, we've had boneheaded penalties every week in big big moments, it, you know, I don't get how we're still this bad. And we didn't even mention the two awful challenges that he had this week. And that can't all be on Jeff Fisher. It's 2016, like, how did the guys in the booth not have the technology to go, hey, Jeff, that wasn't a catch. Don't challenge it. Twice. Twice that happened. Yeah, I, I, I was kind of questioning that myself. Like, how is how are they challenged? Why, you know, the, the clearly both times it was clear that the Rams were going to lose the challenge, and yeah. luckily, I mean, it didn't come back to to harm us. But for closer games like this, that that could really be the difference between a win and a loss. And luckily for the Rams, you know, the Rams had control of the game, but. 
I don't know, against these tougher games that are coming up, this this could be really detrimental to, to a win or a loss. And uh, that that's kind of what I mean about just having a little lack of faith in Jeff Fisher. But I will give him props because, hey, you know, we are – we are uh, three and one going into this. I don't know if there's very many of us that really envisioned us being three and one, you know, going into the start of the season. No, not many of us at all. Now, the transition around this, do you think this start is just increasing the likelihood that he's going to be extended after this, during the season or after? I personally think that the start is, you know, if they keep it up, yeah, he's 100% getting extended. He's going to be a coach for a while. But now that they're 3-1, and one, you know, the classic Rams going 8-8 eight eight thing will be more noticed if that happens again because the team is off to a good start if they start dropping games to Buffalo and Detroit. it has got to take note. And Sneed, you know, maybe has an effort to save his job. Let's go Fisher and tries to bring in somebody else. But if they're the playoff contending team that we talked about, I don't think there's a question that Fisher's approaching this year. Yeah, I mean, if if they make it to the playoffs, heck, heck why not? You know, at that point, why not go ahead and throw him an extension? Um, Sneed. Of the two, I would be more willing to give Snead more of a chance than I would be willing with Fisher. But as far as Fisher goes, I'll always be iffy about him. Um, And it's because we haven't really seen much since he's arrived with the Rams. But, you know, if he starts, if he starts, you know, putting up... uh, you know, some winning seasons, absolutely. I'll, I'll support him 100% if that's the case. But uh, as of now, if you were to ask me, you know, should the Rams give him an extension, I would say no still. Yeah, you got to – I don't think you should extend him during the year. You have to see how it plays out. You know, if they extend him, they're going to pay him. Odds are he's not going to leave for greener pastures because, you know, where would he go? And as far as Snead – I really don't think you can fairly fire him until we see Jared Goff on the field. Because we've talked about this, you've written about this, that's going to be less than his legacy, is that trade. Even though he's made a lot of great decisions, such as the RG3 trade for the year, it's kind of where has that gotten us? Goff has got to be the guy that takes us to the next level. Yeah, agreed on both. Yeah. So the defense, once again, looked fantastic this week. And finally, we've been hyping this up throughout the podcast and offseason and the season. EJ Games was on the field and he looked great. He scored an 85.9 on pro football focus, third highest on the defense, only behind Aaron Donald and Tremaine Johnson played out of his mind. I guess what we got to say is have, has this proven that we didn't need to resign Jamar Jenkins, that he is what they expected um you know as far as uh janoris goes i i you know a lot of people were saying we should have resigned him we should have resigned him but the reality is 
is he just got a ridiculous payday, and yeah. it's just money that the Rams don't didn't have and don't have still. Um, I personally knew that um, EJ Gaines was was going to be that guy. It was just a matter of was he going to be healthy or not, and it, it showed. It clearly showed. You know, a lot of people wondered, you know, how, you know, how did they play so well against the Arizona Cardinals? And then you see last week against the Tampa Bay Bucks, just surrendering so many passing yards, so many touchdowns. And that's that was the answer right there was EJ Gaines, because you didn't have uh, Cody Sensabaugh or Troy Hill out there uh, starting on the other side of uh of uh, Tremaine Johnson. So, you know, I do, I don't mind uh, um, Troy Hill, especially coming out um, every now and then. Um, He's going to, he's going to make some mistakes here and there just because, you know, Hey, he, he's young. You know, there's, this isn't, this isn't a simple game. And cornerback is one of the most toughest positions um, on, on, on the defense. So, I, I don't mind it so much from Troy Hill, but with with Sensabaugh and Hill um, coming off the bench, that's what they need to do. Or coming in situationally, that's what it needs to be like, not starting. And uh, Gaines clearly made his presence felt. Was really happy what I saw with him. As you said, Tremaine Johnson, man, he played insanely. And yeah. a, couple, a couple of, uh, yeah, I mean, I know he technically only had one pick. But there were a couple picks he could have had, and some he wish he could have had. Yeah, true play, insane. And you look at the box score, people could be like, well, John Brown had 144 yards. Well, you know why? Because the other two cornerbacks were worried about the other two receivers. Normally, I mean, it's unlikely for the rest of the year the Rams are going to the Rams are not going to be playing a receiving core that has three legitimate receivers. So if you've got even two guys, you've got Gaines and you've got Johnson to cover them. You know, Fitzgerald and Floyd, Floyd had a touchdown, but outside of that, neither of them played too great. They were shut down for the most part. And the secondary, finally, you know, our, our concerns are over because, you know, we like Troy Hill, but he's not a starter. Sensible was a scratch this week, which was very nice to see. I know you would definitely enjoy that as well. Mm-hmm. The secondary is, is coming into form, and I will admit I was hard on the safeties. Cody Davis doesn't look bad at all. He's played pretty well. T.J. McDonald's back. There were a lot of questions going into the season with him. He's shut them all out. This defense is the real deal. We criticize and move with Ayers, but they've looked good. They've had guys step up. They've had different schemes. They've made it work, and even this week without Will Hayes, they still got pressure thanks to that insanely deep offensive, line. that insanely deep defensive line. There's not, there's nothing to criticize this week on defense. Nothing. No, not at all. I mean, you know, mistakes will be made. It's a part of the game, but you know, like you said, this defense actually really stepped up. I was really happy with what I saw out there. I was really proud of what I saw out there because it, it was really smash mouth football. Um, whenever there was any any sort of uh, um, catch out there or you've seen uh, any of the Johnsons out there, 
um, running running the football. Uh, they got they paid for it. There was so many hard hits out there. One of the reasons why there was a couple injuries uh, with the Cardinals, and uh, one of the reasons why Palmer ended up uh, you know with con- concussion like protocol. Um, so you know, extremely happy with what I saw. I have to make a shout out to Mark Barron, who's perfe- who's performed really well the past couple of games. Yeah, huge pick at the end. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, definitely happy with what I've seen, and uh, looking forward. Hopefully, Gaines can stay healthy. We need a healthy Gaines. Um, that's that's really all the Rams can really hope for at this point. And uh, I will also agree with you about Cody Davis. I was probably harder on him than just about anybody. And, uh, you know, he, he's stepped up, man. He made a couple nice pass deflections. Uh, couldn't be happy with his performance this past game. Yeah. Yeah, we really expected Cody Davis to. He's been on the team for a while, and he never really stepped up. But we got to give him props. And we do have to mention May have been bailed out a little. Carson Palmer getting hurt. But it was a clean hit. It wasn't dirty at all. It's a result of the pressure they got all game. And either way, the Rams fought for this victory. And they yeah, it was a real nice team victory. Absolutely. Thanks for listening this week. The 3-1 division-leading Los Angeles Rams have a home game against Buffalo. Hopefully, we come out with a win. And hopefully, we're sitting at 4-1 and looking pretty. We'll see you guys next week. We'll probably have a preview of that game later on in the week. See you then. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. 
at hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.